we know of so many cases which have serious constitutional implications, which are going to the core of the values in the constitution, the allegedly inalienable values, what, what I think the basic structure of the constitution. And yet, not a single hearing has been heard in the Supreme Court or uh, maybe they've started to hear five years later or six years later after the hearing has effectively become infructuous. We see other cases where, in my opinion, there is significant overreach. For example, I have been on record asking why the question of whether politicians proffer freebies during an election campaign is a justiciable matter. On what basis is this in any democracy? Is the court appointed as the chaperone between the electors and the, those seeking election? I see hundreds of files in the 5,000 or so files I've seen in the job as Minister for both Finance and Human Resources. I see hundreds of files where it is not at all clear to me where is the line the constitution draws between the legislature, the administration and the judiciary. Judgments go to such level of detail about one person, one job, one date of service, one increment, one promotion. I mean, it's, it's uh, amazing. And therefore, I'm on record. In the assembly, multiple times I'm on record that today we don't know where the line is. Where is the line that separates the roles and responsibilities of the legislature, of the judiciary, and of the administration? Possibly the lines between the legislature and the administration were already getting blurred after things like the Anti-Defection Act. The role of the legislature has been greatly curbed. But the line between the administration and the judiciary is increasingly getting blurred every day in good and bad ways, meaning in ways that the overreach is there and then in ways where there is a reverse, where the judge refuses to step into something they should look at. There are also interesting cases where one questions the neutrality of the judge or the bench because the judgments are seemingly contradictory to each other or they create uh, interpretation as in many cases in this book of whether the constitution still applies or the interpretation that 99% of the people have matches that of the judge or judges writing this judgment. I am a member of a group of ministers in the GST council that is looking into uh, the taxation policy on horse racing, gaming and casinos. In the last, uh, I would say, six, no, eight months that this group of ministers has been looking at this issue, every single meeting of the group of ministers, some three or four additional judgments are brought into our notice on the same subject. And these judgments are in many cases directly, in many other cases not so directly, contradictory to each other. Is horse racing a game of skill or a game of chance? There are multiple judgments in this uh, context and some of them go one way, some of them go another way, some of them that's the main object of the judgment, some of them 
the over dicta in the course of some other judgment they have said these things. If you put all of this together, my concern about our society today as a sitting minister trying to help administer a couple of departments under the guidance of our it, I can no longer tell what is it the boundary should be. Up to what should we consider the role of the judiciary and where should we consider the role of the administration and what separates us. It is compounded by the fact that in our country we have this notion that one can't even really criticize, you know, unlike in most democracies. In our society, judges are beyond criticism. And so if the judgment doesn't fit some, you know, logic or constitutional model or interpretation, there's not much one can do or say about it. One can gently mention in some newspaper editorial, and that's the extent of it. I used to live for many years in the United States, and for good or bad, uh, a lot of the founding principles of the country revolved around the justice system, and in many ways, including the title of this book, the rulings of the U.S. courts have standing around the world. Of course, we've all heard of the justice delayed is justice denied uh, quotation, which is 100% true. But I want to mention another uh, uh, kind of quotation from the U.S. There is a, in Jersey City, New Jersey, which was once one of the big thriving cities of the United States, because that's where the people coming off the boats from Ellis Island used to go. And there's a very old, famous courthouse there, and it has a stone inscription on the face, and it says, Precedent sets law. If you stand well, stand still. It is a call for judges to understand that every time they open their mouth, every time they unscrew their pen, they are either validating or creating a new precedent, at least at that level, it's a superior, a superior court of New Jersey. And so this notion of restraint, of truly checking precedents, of being wary of creating new precedents, I think is uh, becoming of a judge. Anyway, in these difficult times, I think such books are crucial to the public debate and to the strengthening of democracy. So, once again, I congratulate, thank, commend the author, Dr. Justice A.K. Rajan. I thank the organizers for arranging this function, for inviting me. I am uh, privileged to share the stage with such a distinguished group of uh, guests for this event. I am happy to be with all of you this Saturday morning. And uh, one day I hope that we will find more and more hope in 
our justice system because of debates like the ones this book should create. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.